Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. I want to turn to the Word of God. I want to turn to Matthew chapter 5. You can open up your Bible with me. I want to talk about and dwell on the resurrection. Why? Because Easter is about the resurrection. It's coming up. We have two more services and then there is Easter and you're going to be talking about and hearing about Jesus being resurrected. That's a big word, a lot of syllables. I'm not sure if I spell with two S's or two R's. So, you know, I want to make sure we understand a little bit more about what it says in the Bible about the resurrection. And I thought about this It was this joke I heard a while ago, probably my dad told me, but it goes to something a little like this. A young man goes to work and asks his boss for the day off. His boss says, really? You've had plenty of time off. What do you need off today for? He says, ah, it's my grandmom's funeral. The boss says, sure, you can have the day off. He takes the day off. He returns the next day. He sees his boss. His boss says, son, are you a Christian and do you believe in the resurrection? He says, sure I do. The boss says, good, good, because yesterday your grandmother came here looking for you. (laughs) The resurrection, it's on all of our minds. It's the core tenet of Christianity. It's a confusing subject. It's something that sometimes we don't get our heads around, have a hard time to grasp. Something dead becomes alive? Look, if you bring that concept up today, a dead person coming alive, everyone is going to say the same thing. That's a zombie. That's not something we talk about in church. That's something the walking dead can tell us stories about. But in church, is there something else to this story about the dead becoming alive? So I want to open up to Matthew chapter 5. This is going to be an interesting sermon. You know, this is one where I'm not going to use any videos. I'm not going to use any drama. I'm just going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it because I really want to make sure that you hear and see the Word of God. I want to make sure for those of you who don't know how to use a Bible, for those of you who say, I I open the Bible, I don't understand it. It's too confusing, that we walk through it today together. You can open up your Bible. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I call it my story Bible. It sounds good as a story here. So Mark chapter 5, verse 22. All right, let's get to this. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell on his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed crowding around him. One woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. Verse 28, for she thought to herself, if I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. She could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that the healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? 
His disciples said, look, there's a crowd of people all pressing around you. How could you possibly ask who touched you? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Verse 33, then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what just happened, came, fell to her knees in front of him and told him. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is now dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them saying, Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except for Peter, James, and John. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went in and said, why is all this commotion and weeping? The child is not dead. She's only asleep. The crowd then laughed at him. He made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where she was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Tathia kuom, which means little girl, get up. And the little girl, who was just 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that this word would seep into our soul. And Lord, that somebody somewhere would get a little bit about what you were trying to share with us through this true story of these two people. In Jesus' name I pray. And church says, amen. I don't know if I'm going to get through it all today because we took a lot of time doing a lot of very important things. But I'm going to give it my best effort to make some of these points very clear. This is an interesting story. It's what I call a tale of two sides. You know what two sides of a coin is, right? I mean, a coin is one coin. On one side, you have heads. On one side, you have tails. It's the same coin approached differently from each side. It says something different. On one side, it says something. On the other side, it says something else. Both combining to form one coin of one value. Of course, you've heard it otherwise like this. There's always two sides to every story. Right? And as a pastor and as a husband, especially as a husband, you learn, well, there's probably three sides, right? His side, her side, and the truth. Two sides to the story. This is one of those. There's two sides to this story. Some of, the, some of there's very important differences. For instance, in this story, there's a rich guy, Jarius, the politician, lots of money. And then there's a poor woman who's literally broke, bankrupt, not a penny. You have, on one side, a man who needs an immediate need right away. His daughter is dying. On the other side, you have a woman who's been dealing with a lifetime condition. There's lots of nuance in the differences, but there's lots of similarities. Both of them, desperate for Christ, have tried everything else and now require God to do something. Both of them have came to Christ for the solution. Both of them experienced something, well, miraculous. Both of them, now here's where it gets a little more subtle, have families that they care deeply about. Both of them have been dealing with something over a span of 12 years, a 12-year-old daughter and a 12-year issue 
of a medical condition. Now let's look at the story from these two sides. You have this woman who's been dealing with this bleeding issue for 12 years. She's seen the doctors. She's now broke. She has no solution. She hears Jesus coming. All she wants to do is get to him. So in her mind, Jesus coming is a great thing. She can go and she can possibly be healed by Jesus. She's tried everything else. Let's try Jesus. However, when she gets there, she's very excited. He's, he just landed on the boat. She finds out that there's this other guy who's talking up about his daughter. And because he's talking up about his daughter, the crowd begins to swell Jesus talks about going and helping a dead person, so now everybody wants to follow the rich guy, wants to follow the politician, all the crowd, all the PRs around him. He's the worthy one. Jesus is going to help him. Let's follow him. In her mind, this other guy is in the way. Now let's look at it from his side. He gets there, traveling all this way, desperately trying to find Jesus. This shore, that shore, this town, that town. He's finally coming to his town. He comes, brings his people to pull people out of the way so he can get towards Jesus. He gets to Jesus. He tells Jesus his daughter is dying. This is urgent. Come help me. And maybe, maybe to his surprise, Jesus says, yes, let's go. Or maybe he was a politician that expected everybody to do everything for him. We'll get to that in a second. But Jesus begins to follow this man to his home. And look what happens. The crowd begins to swell more and more as they begin to get to his house. And then Jesus encounters this beggar, this peasant, this woman, this outcast. Now Jesus stops in his tracks and begins to talk just to this woman. What do you think he's thinking? Uh, yeah, we don't got time for this. My daughter is on her last leg. We need to get there. This woman is in his way. The same story, two different sides. Both stories, an awesome miracle. What is your story? What's going on in your life right now? What's happening? You heard the worship, you heard the prayers, you see people coming up, you see what's going on, but what is your story? What is God trying to do in your life? I even pause, because sometimes that's hard to figure out, but I know it's really easy to figure out. How is Satan attacking you? What's the enemy doing in your life? How are you being held down? How are you being distracted? How are you being held back from what God has from you? And is that the story you dwell on? Is that the side of the coin that you keep reading? Is that the messages you keep filling your brain with? You remember the, the sermon soundtrack, right? Satan is just giving you all these thoughts and these ideas about it won't get better. You won't improve. Life won't change. That person won't change. This person won't love me. That person won't do this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or are you capable of flipping the coin and looking at the other side about what God wants to do? Both of these stories start with immense tragedy. All of our lives have stress and conflict. But do we dwell on that? Or are we capable of 
hearing the other side of the story. That's why you come to church, by the way. That's why I'm so optimistic. That's why I have to pray. I have to pray. I have to pray. I cannot stand continually being in the churches. I do not pray. It is called a house of God. I have no idea why Jesus didn't heal this woman from the get-go. Why did she wait 12 years? I have no idea why this child, this little, this little 12-year-old got sick and died. I have no idea. Jesus could have healed them both. But you know the difference is it required us to approach Jesus. And therefore, we have prayer. The Bible says it like this. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. Look, when I look at this scripture, and I, I don't know how much farther I'm going to get, but I want to make sure you hear this right here. How do you approach God? How do you approach God, when you're looking at your story, you're trying to get to the other side of the story and you hear what God is saying about your side of the story, how do you approach him? We talked about in our song today, there's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. The person who wrote that song has been through tragedy. The person who wrote that song has been through conflict. The person who wrote that song has been through a situation where God was not present and they realized that they would never want to be in that situation ever again. They want to be in God's presence because something desperate happens when you're in God's presence. Look at this. It says very simply, it says, it says the leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. He came to Jesus. He came to Jesus. He came to Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood, what did she do? She came to Jesus. How did they do it? They came personally. They got themselves off their butt and they came to Jesus. They didn't go to a pastor. They didn't go to a counselor. They didn't go to a PhD of this or a doctorate of that. They came to Jesus. Now, mind you, they went to all those other people before and it didn't work out. And finally, they came to Jesus personally. They weren't dependent on me to say a prayer or some famous minister or prophet to say a prayer. They wanted to go directly to Jesus himself. Will you do that today? Are you capable of saying, I will go to Jesus myself and I will ask him myself? And that's the second thing. Look what happens in scripture here. It says he came to Jesus and then this politician, it says when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet pleading fervently with him. This is humbleness. This is desperation. The person who sung that song, there's no place I'd rather be, was desperate for his presence. When you become desperate for God, you will get on your hands and knees and you will pray. You will do it in your bedroom. You will do it in your closet. You'll do it at work if necessary. You will fall before God and you will say, Lord, please, this is how we approach God. We approach him with humbleness. We approach him with desperation. And if you truly are desperate, it's easy. Brother Jack, was it easy approaching God when you were in the hospital? Probably very easy. Is it easy approaching God with all the situations going on with your wife? It's a lot easier. You see, when life's going good, when things are well, when the tax money's coming in, when the bills are paid, when all your friends are happy and you're going out to eat, well, at that point, what are you desperate for? Another relationship, another purchase, some sleep, you're tired. Talk to Brother Jack, talk to Brother Bill. I can tell you there's four more people in here that are in a desperate situation. 
And God wants to show up, but he requires you. I don't know why it's crazy, but he requires you to personally ask him. And let's talk about that ask for a second. Look at this. He says, come to my house, lay your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. The doctors told her the daughter was dying. The doctor told her more than likely she would die that day. He went to Jesus humbly, and then with confidence, he said, come to my house and heal my daughter. How many of you aren't capable of praying a prayer like that? How many of you think, hey, can God even accomplish something like that? We need confidence to go to God and pray the difficult prayers, pray the bold prayers, pray the angry prayers, pray the prayers that when get answered will change the world. That's what we see here. This woman said the same thing. She says, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. When Jesus turned around, she came and fell to her knees in front of him. Expectation, church. Expectation. What is your expectation of church today? What is your expectation of church? Are you just coming because the doors are open? Because somebody once upon a time, a grandmother, a grandfather maybe said, well, you better go to church. Or, well, in order for me to go to heaven one day, I better go to church at least one time, especially during Easter and Christmas. Like, like, what are you expecting when you get here? I am so curious. I wish we could take a survey and people would, would have a kiosk out there and say, let's see, what am I expecting? Sing a song, hear the Bible, some miracles. Like, what are you expecting? God is here. God is here. God is here. In the hospital rooms, when you're praying, where are you, God? Where are you? He is here. When you're at home and the bills aren't met, where are you, God? He is here. Now, what, what do I mean here? I mean here at church, you mean you got to come on Sunday at 9.30 and stay till 12 o'clock? Is that what I mean? No. No, as a matter of fact, when Jesus died, he broke the veil of the temple and said there's no need to even go into a church. This is the temple. Your body is the temple. You are holding the presence of God to go to him and approach him merely requires you to do it in your spirit and mind. It means to humble your body, you humble your mind. Why do we come to church then? Because the Bible is clear. It says when two or three are gathered together, when two or three, he can no longer withhold his presence. His presence comes down. God himself comes off the throne and he comes down into our temples, our bodies. We just happen to be in this church. Are you following me? He is here. What do you expect from him today? Look, I know it's late, and I know that you guys would stay here forever if I preached the rest of this sermon. I know that. I know you would. I know you would. And I have so much to say, but I don't want it to get missed. So I, 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 I'm, I'm going to I'm going to make this one last point. Next week, I'm going to complete this message because it's so important of what happens in here of the nuances of this message and what God is trying to tell us. But I want to leave you with this one point here because I think it's, it's going to make my point even more clear. When Jesus came to this crowd and he began to talk to this politician, people began to listen. You see, back then, you didn't have cell phones. You didn't have loudspeakers or PA systems. 
So, you know, here we talk about personal space, right? Like, you're getting a little close to me, Brother Chuck. You know, and we have breath mints and we body odor and things like that. Back then, they didn't have any of that. So people got real close. They were, you know, we would talk a lot. We'd talk like this. We'd hang out. And this group would hear this group. And, and they talked a lot. And so as Jesus is talking, the people are starting to hear, whoa, Jairus' daughter. Some of them, probably the people in his community, knew his daughter was sick. So they're listening. What's Jesus going to say? What's Jesus going to do? Just two chapters earlier, two chapters earlier, in another city, a man came to him and said his son was sick. Jesus said, I'll go to your home. And the centurion, the military man said, no, no, just say the word and my son will be healed. Jesus said the word and his life changed in an instant. But in this case, there was a request, come to my house, put your hands on my daughter. That is so significant for Jesus to put his hands on a dead person. Next week, we'll talk about that, what that means. It's about resurrection. But listen, church, all these people are listening. Is he just gonna say a word? Is the heavens gonna open? Are we gonna see something spectacular? Maybe this, this is the community I'm in. This is the group of friends. This is the, this is the opportunity. I'm in the right location to finally see God. This is how we think about church. I'm going to come to the right church, the right opportunity. I'm going to sing the right song and hear the right message. And Jesus is going to do something. In that very instant, Jesus did nothing. But I want you to focus on everyone else for a second. What did everyone else do? They just kept watching. Let's watch Jesus. So they watch him, and he walks, and he walks, and he comes upon this woman, this beggar. He doesn't notice her at first. He walks right by. Imagine how her heart must have felt when Jesus walked right by her. She's expecting Jesus to notice her. She's expecting Jesus to understand. She's been praying for 12 years. He walked right by. Church, so many of us come to church and want God just to do something. You just want to see something. You want to feel something. The music to make you feel a certain way. The lights make you feel a certain way. You want it to be perfect. No interruptions, no mistakes. You'd rather not have the announcements. You just want to see something. Well, I hope you saw something this morning. Hope you saw what God is doing in our mission field. Hope you saw what God is doing in our youth and in our young adults and, and in our middle school kids. God is moving. The problem is, that's all we ever want to do is watch. All these people, probably close to a thousand people surrounding Jesus, all watching, except for one. One person was desperate enough. One person said she'd had enough. One person said, I will not take this anymore. There must be more to this Jesus than what everybody else is acting like. I am going to press in. I am going to push through the crowd. I am going to finally touch the God everyone talks about. I'm not going to wait for the pastor to tell me. I'm not going to wait for the TV to tell me. I'm not going to wait for Easter. I'm not going to wait for him to even do anything. I'm going to usher it in. 
by touching him. She didn't even know how to do it. 12 years without human touch. 12 years without being allowed in church. She probably didn't even know the formality. So she said, forget it. I'll just touch his robe. Church, the single point I'm trying to make right now is are you willing to experience God or watch Him? There's nothing wrong with coming to church and watching God. There are so many miracles happening. Bill, a miracle is going to happen in your life with you and your wife. It's going to start with you because you're sitting right here right now. Brother Jack, a miracle is happening in your life. You know it. That's why you're here. Some of you are watching it. Susan, a miracle is happening in your life. You know it. We started talking about it. I go on and on. Jeremy, a miracle is happening in your life. We just talked about it. Jeremy may have one of the best testimonies I've ever heard. He's going to start sharing it. Miracles are happening, and you can come to church and watch it, listen to it, hear a pastor talk about it. Or, or, you can be desperate enough to approach God. Bold enough to approach God. Humble enough to approach God. And if you do, if you do, they'll be watching you. They'll be watching you. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.